Hi, Mina. Can you hear me? Uh, yes. Hi, Nidhi. I can. I can. Oh, Loud and clear. Can you fantastic. hear me? Fantastic. Yes, very clearly. So glad you could make it through without any technology issues. <laughs> very glad to have you here. <laughs> well, thank you for inviting. How many are you there? Yes, I am. Wonderful, wonderful. So, Kamini, uh, do you just want to go ahead and uh, introduce um, ourselves and this whole session to Meena? And meanwhile, we let others join in for a couple of seconds. Sure, let's let's get started. Very, uh, very excited to have you join us uh, today, Meena. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm thrilled. <laughs> that that's lovely. Uh, so, hello and uh, welcome to our podcast, uh, Traveling Time with Books, where Nidhi and I discuss books that engage with time in one way or another, sometimes taking us directly back through the violins of time and at others forcing us to consider contemporary issues through a comparison with historical contexts. In today's episode, we will be discussing the book, A Dust Storm in Delhi, about the very interesting life and story of Razia Sultan. Now, to me, the book stood out as a story about ambition, fueled by love. Uh, in much, much part, Razia's love for Delhi, that drives her towards her destiny and the decisions she makes. Now, perhaps, uh, you know, this is a personal bias as well. Perhaps this stood out to me even more because I share her love for Delhi. I was born and brought up there. My grandparents were born in Purani Delhi, their grandparents were born in Purani Delhi and so on for many generations. And while not from Razia's beautiful Minar, I grew up uh, making monthly pilgrimages from our home close to the Kutub Minar back to our ancestral home in Purani Delhi, where we would watch the beautiful city unfold from our ter terrace. Now those sights and sounds are captured best in Meer Saab's share. Now, whenever I'm looking for something truly evocative, I, I turn to the, you know, to the Shairi, Urdu Shairi. So, uh, I found this uh, share from Meer Sahab, which I love, uh, which is, Dilli ke naathe kuche, aura ke musavvar the, jo shakl nazar aai, tasveer nazar aai. So, that's the Dilli I see. That's the Dilli I see Razia seeing as well. And Razia's ambition for herself and her beloved Delhi propelled her to do many things that women at the time, and even today, or achieving. In some ways, then, this is not only a story of ambition, but a story of a woman's ambition. And we will talk a bit about that as well today. The role that being a woman played in her life and whether that lens is important while reading that story or not. So we'll, we'll get into a discussion uh, of that as well. We to talk about these things as the author of the book, Meena Aroda Namayak. Uh, Maybe did I lose Kamini? I, I think uh, we all did. Okay. Um, I, I was just wondering if it was just me. Kamini, um, I don't think we can hear you. We lost you somewhere. No worries. No worries. Let's let's get started. Um, anyway, I'm sure Kamini will join back. And like she was saying, while reading the book, Meena, in fact... Um, Delhi is to Kamini what Lucknow is to me. So I remember uh, reading through it and, uh, you know, when Razia is talking so fondly of the city, I could totally imagine how this would mean so much more to Kamini as a reader sitting in London and reminiscing over her uh, Delhi days. So <laughs> yes. uh, that's certainly added to the personal touch for us. Yeah. Um, okay. So we'll wait for Kamini to come back. Sorry, but uh, meanwhile... Me? 
Yes, there you are. Oh no, oh no. Yes. At what point did you lose me? Here goes technology. Always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think somewhere where you're talking right after the share um ah, company. Ah, ah. Okay. Mm. Okay, so okay, I luckily I got that. Yeah, maybe 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 I'll shorten it a bit. But yeah, the share of course is is the kind of what I see in Delhi and what I imagine Radhya sees uh in Delhi as well. Uh but you know, I I also would we, we would through this uh conversation also talk about uh, Radhya's ambition for herself. and how much of this was a story of ambition or a story of women's ambition and whether we need to take that lens uh, as well in in discussing this so so we'll get to that but let to make things shorter because we've lost some time uh, i want to invite meena aroda nayak the author of the book uh, who's joining us and uh, meena is a professor of english and has written several other books often dealing with themes related to mythology and traveling back in time so welcome again meena sorry about the little pass up with the text <laughs> no, and no worries no worries <laughs> no worries and thank, thank you, you so much for inviting me i'm absolutely thank honored you. and i am i am thrilled um as i was telling me this is my first time actually engaging in a podcast so i'm really doubly excited about that oh how lovely that 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 makes me feel that we are special even if we are not i'm going to take that and eat an extra slice of cake today <laughs> 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 so I, to get us started, like to call on Nidhi. Nidhi, uh, my partner in crime for these podcasts, lives and breathes books, and so much so that a few years ago she left a job in banking to start Bookosmia, which has quickly become India's number one publishing platform for under seventeens. And the thing I love most about it, perhaps, is that it's dedicated to being for kids and by kids. So Nidhi, please get us started. Yeah. Thanks so much. So yes, let's get started, Meena. It's your uh, first podcast. I'm I, like Kamini said. I'm very excited. It's with us, and we'll debut with great style. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thanks so much for writing the book. I think um, we would obviously talk about what was so fantastic about it in various space, but uh, more importantly, for giving the subject Razia the mind space that she deserves. In uh, you know, even so many years later. and unfortunately i think that she still has to fight for uh, years after um, her death centuries after it in fact um, so it was such a wonderful relief to read a book um, which made her come alive so thank you for that um, and i'll quickly jump on to um, a question that i had and i think most readers would have after finishing the book and finding it as fascinating as it is um which is how much of what we are reading now in the book is actually history and how much of it is fictionalized and written you know using your imagination as a writer <laughs> um you know of course <laughs> that is the most important question and actually it's the most difficult question to answer um i um historical novels work like that um you have to be honest as far as you can to be um to be honest to the to the to the fiction that you're writing so um i want to say that razia's story is mostly um well there are two incidents that are absolutely historical so her birth and everything is historical her relationship with yakut her her relationship with the brothers her father are actually a product of my mind the two incidents that are accurate about that are historical are actually the ones that are key to understanding her her marriage to altunia and of course uh, somewhere along the way she died we don't know if she died in battle but in that battle and yeah. the fact that she was uh, passed over 
um, for the for the for for the for the rulership. So she was she was actually uh, the secretary of of Sultan Iltutmish had actually written up um, written up this decree decreeing her the the rulership of Delhi, and then um, he she was passed over for a younger for a younger brother one of her brothers um that so that's correct the other thing that is that we know of perhaps is was a rumor even then was the fact that there was a rumor about her and a quote-unquote slave of ethiopian origin which is we assuming is is yakut and as a result of that she was maligned and then we also know that she did address the public in delhi um and um to take over the rulership and um and that uh, she had her mother in law pardon me her, her her stepmother um killed and uh, and also she started wearing male clothing so those are some key facts that we know because those are is they 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 they're chronicled basically everything else mm. is is all fiction but other than that the background and the environment and the all of that i'm 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 hoping is as close to 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 fact as can be it took me a, uh, about 8 years to research because i wanted to get the the flavor of that that era so much of that is i'm hoping i've captured it wow 8 years sounds like such a long time you know so Uh, while you are qualifying so many of the statements saying that some of them are your imagination i'm sure with that kind of research they would have been substantiated in a lot of ways as well um i, I think this leads nicely to kamini's question uh, kamini is it about how yeah. all, yeah yeah so it's it's fascinating no mina i was thinking about this aspect of writing a historical novel and it it seems to be tricky in a very particular way in the sense that one doesn't have the freedom of conjuring up plots entirely and characters based only on your own imagination as one does in pure fiction and yet archival material can be hard to find there may be gaps there may be even conflicting reports uh, about certain events that you know some some may some say like about yakut that she was he was planted perhaps by the stepmother uh, versus others so so it's 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 very interesting to me and i i i wonder i was again thinking a little bit about how do you go about writing a book such as this what kind of research you already talked about the fact that this the significant research which went not only into her life and her families but into that environment now one of the things that particularly intrigued particularly intrigued me is there's a short note at the end where you talk about how you came up with razia's character i'd imagine that so much of the book would rest on exactly that question who is razia and so while you know <laughs> and and about some of the other characters as well and i i would imagine it would be sketchy to to try to come up with 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 a, a character uh, draft for her so i want you to tell us a little bit about that about how much how you found razia versus how much you built razia and perhaps some other characters uh, as yakut as well you also talk about a particular anecdote uh, about a conversation with your daughter but i'm sure this there's a larger story about this in there <laughs> yes kamni oh my god yes that's a question right after my own heart that was one of the most difficult aspects of this book so i had so i like i said those were some key facts you know she's really a footnote in history there's really not that much about her there's a there there the 23 volumes of a big chronicle called tabakate nasiri in which which, which written by his by 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 the court historian of of nasiruddin he was the eighth eighth sultan and um he um, 
so he talks about all the kings and all the all the sultans that happened but he gives literally a few pages to 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 razia agree that she ruled only for three and a half years but there's just literally no information about her except for you know this is what she did this is what she did this was this was the rumor this is who she married and that's all we know so um i gathered all my research of course for you know the 13th century delhi and all of that lovely stuff but i had no idea who razia was and i'll tell I'll, t- I'll tell you about the incident again if you don't mind because it really is like something that that still warms my heart so i was sitting in a mm-hmm. cafe and i was i was you know writing notes and notes i'm you know I, i i normally work on my laptop but when i'm creating a story i'm like i have pieces of paper and i'll write on whatever's in front of me and i was just writing away and writing away trying to build a character for her and everything just did seem right first i had a you know being a subservient daughter then i had etc etc so my daughter's a psychiatrist and um i was frustrated i called her i think she was at work and i've been told not to call her at work she may be with the patient anyway so i called and i said you know what bitte i am totally i i don't know i'm out of my depth here maybe i shouldn't be writing this book because i can't figure her out and you're right that you have to remain within the parameters of the of quote unquote the history so i you know i i can't simply just go off on a tangent i have to live within this parameter but i can't figure out she said tell me about her and i did and about you know a few sentences and this is what she did this is what happened to her this what and so my daughter is a feminist and she was like she started laughing she said mummy she sounds like me that's why i dedicated the book to her and so she sort of created a profile for me you know what her relationships would be like how she would be in how how she would she would behave with the father in a sense how she would um, interact with the other ladies of the zanana etc so she created a, a, a sort of profile and i quickly jotted it down on on a on a on a cafeteria napkin actually and it's razia just like the way that she described her razia shaped up in front of me i could just see everything happening and in fact i actually had the end where she marries altunia which was the most mind boggling thing about her life to me that this man takes her to he mounts an attack on her he takes her away from her sultanate and she marries him so that was like the most mind boggling incident but it became clear to me after you know this literally it was like a five minute conversation and i came home and i said oh my god i've got to do this i know what this story is about so that's how razia came to be basically it was eight years of trying to figure out i want to say about five years of trying to figure out and then then of course the writing of it what a delightful story meena and how lucky that you know you you have access to uh, to the expertise of your daughter so you could uh, actually sort of uh, bounce this off of her but i mean i know you you're saying it's 5 minutes of a conversation but it's actually like you're also saying i guess it's 5 years of all that work behind it so you know which pieces of information to share with your daughter and what to interpret out of what she tells you so i'm, I'm yeah i'm i'm gathering that it's a, it's sort of a mix mix of those um, things uh, but yeah very very interesting right i mean because she is uh, i mean she is a, she she does inexplicable things she does things which women other women of her time would not do so i imagine that it's very hard to pick up an average woman of that time and really model her character after that so you don't have a lot of uh, characters to use as as templates or you know model her after but a very very interesting story and i know One of the things you mentioned is something that's been uh, bothering Nidhi. So, Nidhi, you want to come in? Yes, yes, absolutely. I think this whole, um, you know, you you're talking about taking eight years 
and still not being able to figure out um, who Razia is. And um, Kamini and I had the same conversation. You know, we usually try to research about the subject, and it was so frustrating that uh, if you Google for her, um, there are such lame results which turn up. You know, so as a reader, as a history enthusiast, and I think even as someone. Uh, who studied history for so many years in school? All of us did. I did feel a little cheated that uh, we don't have access to information about someone who uh, was of such prominence, you know. And uh, Mina, you would have lived through that frustration, like you said, trying to figure out who she is and why is it that we don't have enough uh, information out there. Why is it? Um, at some stage, I was, uh, you know, feeling that the historians have failed her in so many ways. Where they're chronicling so much about someone else, but not even giving her enough um, thought, or not even bothering. And now we have so many books which, uh, you know, talk about people of significance over the centuries. Um, but I struggle to find any reference to uh, Razia, even when googling like on views of prominent historians on her. Um, and uh, what turns up mostly is um, the Bollywood adaptation of I don't know what was it a book or what they managed to um, uh, pictureize her as. Uh, but uh, my question really is: Why do you think um, we seem to have failed her memory so much um, that um, historians didn't bother? Not just uh, Indian historians, but you know, it's not even a regional thing. Uh, Indian history is uh, mostly chronicled, and especially earlier on, by uh, from everywhere by international historians. Why did everybody overlook her? What What would you make of it? Um, yeah, it's a very. I think it's of course it's a very significant question, and I think that's exactly what makes us such a modern heroine, if we can use that word or hero, to be um you know to take away the gender bias in a sense. I, I can't obviously I can't vouch for what the historians were thinking and what you know what was going on but what what comes through from all of this is the fact that she was a woman of course she had women who had dared that's the most important thing a woman who had you know given up her quote-unquote womanhood taken off the burqa taken out the veil and and had had she had um found herself um standing shoulder to shoulder to um to the men of the of the sultanate's court she didn't shy away from conflict she laughed in the face of rumor they hated her basically that's what i i got from from the few pages of Juzjani that i read and and other other you're right there was this very little in history books because there isn't there isn't anything basically there isn't anything the history always talks about facts this happened this happened it, it you know the analysis is up to you and so, I mean, I don't blame, um, you know, people of or people who write educational books for not including anything much because there isn't that much. But I'm, I, but, but it, it appears to me from from the amount of research I did that it literally was the fact that she was a woman who had dared, and they they couldn't handle it. And remember, these were Turkey nobles, um, even though you know. And here's the here's the unpredictability of all of this. Because it wasn't that women were denied uh, education, for example. This was, in fact, we have records of women, you know, learning to be warriors and they were fighting with the men. They, were, they didn't go to war, but except they, they got all the education that the guys received. So it wasn't as though, you know, they were completely, you know, sent to sit in a schoolroom and stay there for the rest of their life. They were allowed to do things. And and by the way, um, the veil was, 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 was optional at that time. It wasn't that it was imposed on them. 
so it was it was an it was an obligation it wasn't it wasn't mandatory so um so here's that's what i mean so here's the the conflict that they were on one side they were allowed to do do this and on the other side they were not which which to me speaks of modern times this is exactly how we are in our society in all societies where women are not allowed to do the same things that 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 men are allowed to do uh, they are allowed the education they are allowed you know freedom to a certain extent and then they are not when they actually want to pursue what they want to do you know i wanted to for example when i was growing up my first love was drama i wanted to go into theater and i wasn't allowed to do it however i was allowed to be a writer because you see i did it did not put me into contact with quote unquote unsavory characters of of the theater which was what my father said to me i loved him he's no long, no more but you know he was he was a lovely father but this was what what are this is what our modern times are like and i'm sure i'm like of an older generation but i'm sure that you know some um, some traces of that still remain in society i'm sure the younger people will be able to to speak speak to that but i think she's a modern she's a modern uh woman yes i think absolutely and i i uh, so agree that she could be hated back then uh, given you know the circumstances and uh, this woman fighting for power but uh, certainly deserves to be celebrated now when we talk so much about you know uh, women heroes who should come to the forefront and we should talk about stories so hopefully that would change completely agree she needs to be celebrated yeah. my fear is this so they have this we have this um, another reason of course why she's forgotten is that as i i think i mentioned this in the book that there is so she's buried um in in delhi um it's a um, in in this in old delhi which is i mean which is obviously the turkman it's very near turkman gate uh bulbuli kala mahalla it's 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 a it's you have to go through real winding lanes to get there and um her there are two graves where she, that are supposed to be her gravesite unmarked completely and um the leaves flowing everywhere it's between it's literally a little little courtyard and it, and the backs of buildings look down on it the air conditioning is blowing air all the time so there are these are really um, i mean i feel that the graves are going to how long are they going to last it's it's rough stone they're not marked but also one of the reasons is we don't know actually where she died and where she was buried this is just one of the one of the candidates she could be buried in rajasthan so we don't we don't exactly know how she died also i'm assuming and i really really i love the fact that uh, i love my own assumption that she died in that battle uh, with altunia beside her and her younger brother um bahramcha actually um invaded or, or rather uh, rebelled against her and so she um so she died and i think she died in that battle and i and actually the the wonderful legend that that is that is about her is what i've tried to include in in the book is that a farmer actually killed her for her jewelry not even knowing that she was a woman and did not not knowing that she used to be the former sultan of delhi so she was this is one of the legends about her so that's i'm i'm assuming that that is one reason why her why her grave is not marked it also could be by design because they wanted to forget her so she was a little you know a little besmirching mark on on this wonderful turki history of the sultanate who knows so yeah oh. so i agree that i feel that you know maybe a few decades later we won't even have those 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 that grave site that you know it's already it's we can all, i call, i can already see the effects of weather on it and of course 
horrible air from these, you know, apartment buildings that are around it. So who knows? I completely agree. I wish that there were there was a better preservation. I wish there was more research to find out where she actually what actually happened. Um, yeah, absolutely, right. I agree with you. I think that right there, Mina, what you that uh, phrase you use that we want to forget. I think that so beautifully and poetically um, kind of captures the spirit with which we have treated the subject. We seem to want to forget her. Um, so that that is so poetic and so right. I think. And yeah, you were right um, in your answers uh, earlier when you were responding uh, about how so many of these issues are, you know, so relevant even now. And that's what we were discussing when um, we were talking about the book. So, Kamini, do you want to go ahead with that question about how yeah, relevant? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, fascinating, issues. fascinating. Um, chat here and Meena, thanks so much. I mean, you, you're talking about society's enduring prejudices in so many forms and shapes and the comparison with the modern times from that time. And that, that's one of the things I was reflecting on. And I, I mean, I was struck by this thing, um, you know, her, how she constantly wrestles with her public appearance. And you talk about that. But there's a point in the book uh, where she says, uh, and I'm quoting, Anne never understood that it was not a man's life that I desired but a life that was of my own making. And I thought about that uh, sentence, Meena, for a long time, uh, because it, it, it's powerful in the way women can think about making their own uh, journey. But also in Razia's case, uh, you know, she, she seems also still very aware of the male gaze, as, as anyone might be, and, and the expectations of it. In fact, like you said, you know, she tries to underplay her femininity through her clothes and her appearance in some cases. Now, in an ideal world, we wouldn't be talking about what women wear at all. Uh, however, uh, you know, unfortunately, even as recently as now, as the recent hijab controversy in Karnataka has made salient, issues around what women wear uh, were not only important at that time in the 13th century or earlier, but very much remain of public interest, of public commentary and of public censure. In Razia's case, I was trying to imagine her for a moment. And to modern sensibilities, it may seem shocking that Razia initially ruled fully veiled. Today, many people believe that women who chose to choose to wear a hijab or any form of veil are without agency and in need of rescuing. And clearly, Razia was anything but that. So totally shattering stereotypes uh, in some ways. But equally, to connect with her subjects better, she made the choice to remove the veil at, at the point that she deemed uh, appropriate. Uh, but it, that also seems to have played some role potentially in her uh, eventual downfall. So I was I was thinking about all of this interplay and wanting your reflections on the politics of of it in 13th century of the veil. You already mentioned that it was it was optional almost at that time. It was not obligatory, but it still seems from your from you know what you've written that the religious lema um, may have reacted. Other people may have taken that as a big affront. Uh, to the to the you know social system at that time. So I'm I'm trying to think you know from Razia's point of view you know tell us a bit about how that might that choice have been uh, for a woman like her at that time and uh, what it might have been you know in in the context of being in a man's world very much under the male uh, gaze and any any parallels that you see uh, now. I mean you've talked about a few of course, uh, okay. but I'm thinking of the veiling. Yeah. 
Right. Um, so, um, so this is this is actually so this is something that we find in the chronicles. By the way, that she did wear a veil for a little bit and then she removed it. So we know this that this is historical fact, and we don't know why she removed it. The the incident in the book is of course fictional. You know what what made her, and it was very important for me to to into uh, to establish that she removed the veil because of a woman's request and not just because of a woman's request, but but a Hindu woman's request. We know of course that early Indian history, of course. Ever since that, uh, it was it, um, they had ousted a Hindu empire. So obviously, the the people, the subjects were Hindu, mostly Hindu, majority of them. So even though we have very little records of her being quote unquote pro Hindu or anti Hindu or whatever, be I'm I this was this was an assumption. This was a long assumption that I made, and I'm happy to have made it. So it's a woman actually in the book. Since you read the book, it was a, a woman, a woman prostitute actually who who um, compels her to to remove her veil. And so that was an important uh, issue for me. And so this, so that was, that was number one. There were, so the religious um, uh, society at that time was a little bit, it was, it was very interesting. So there's, um, it was a very complex society, I want to say, in terms of religion. So there was the ulama, of course, very strict uh, religious um, sentiment. And then there were the Sufis. So this was also the time when Sufism was, was on the rise. We have some of the best Sufi masters from that time. Iltutmash himself was very much enamored, I want to say, um, by um, by his Sufi guru, so to speak. And so, um, but he was also a little, uh, but he was also bound to the ulama. He did not want to upset the ulama. However, he loved the spirituality of the of, of Sufism, so he himself was in conflict. Razia, we know from, and this we know from Chronicles, that she was very much. She used to actually take advice from from the Sufi saints, and so she was very much a Sufi. So do you understand that this? So the ulama was already in the the the, the impositions of the ulama was all were already in question because of her father. So she was. It, it, it may have been easier, I want to say, for her to go with what her heart said rather than what the ulama said, because she was not because of her father. She'd seen her father in conflict. With, with with you know trying to figure out whether he wants to be the strict Sharia law follower or he wants to go with the spirituality of Sufism. So already that was ingrained in her. So it may have been a little bit easier for her to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to do away with the veil. Also, I think I honestly believe that it may have been a political maneuver because she really she wanted to equal men, and her 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 clothes, as you said, the male gaze, her clothes were actually an impediment. And so she, I, I honestly believe this. So it was so much easier for her that, hey, if I want to be a man, I dress like a man. And so this is, this is what she did. She dressed like a man. And, um, and, and, and of course, that she wore red, which was also very important. So the, the, when she addressed the, the public of Delhi and told them that, you know, I need to be the ruler. I was decreed as the ruler by my father. She wears red. That, I think that's probably one of the last times she wore a, wom a, a feminine clothes with the intention of being feminine. And I think already she was thinking about, okay, I'm going to change this. Yeah, I think so. what you just said at the end, uh, that, that, that clarifies one aspect of it for me. Because I, I, was, I you know, was constantly wondering whether it was, uh, was it, is it a political move or is it a not a political move? Was she being a good politician by doing this or a bad politician and not sensing, uh, you know, the, the, the mood of the, of the country and of, of important stakeholders such as the ulema? 
so so what you're saying is to me what i'm hearing is that it, it was very deliberate and she kept choosing and picking different things in different moments as she saw would serve her political purpose so that's that's certainly very interesting for me um and maybe this this relates to what you wanted to talk about as well right yes i think so yeah i think um overwhelmingly uh, if there's you know just if you want to just pick a few words and uh, talk about what the book is so i think it would be an ambitious woman um so here's this story of someone who's ambitious and goes on to become a woman leader um and uh, i'm very conscious uh, that very often we use these terms very interchangeably um uh, being a woman leader uh with being a feminist uh, though they're not uh, she could just as well be in par um but not wanting equal opportunities for all women uh, but i think the book talks of it in um, in passing you know she um, the reforms she wanted to bring about and to a certain extent she did especially the one where having um, women um, have access to libraries and books in their hands which was so heavily opposed and all the politics uh, which opposed it as well and she had to withdraw um so when you were writing the book uh, meena was it um in your mind somewhere that i want to portray her as um a woman leader who also is a feminist um and you know convey some of those aspects or the focus was primarily about how this woman rose to power um and that women can you know chatter the glass ceiling as we say today Nidhi, you know what? That's fantastic! What wonderful word you've just used. Words you've just used. Ambition and feminism and all of that. My goodness! And I think that um, many of us are actually opposed to this. Why should Why should women not allow be allowed to be to be ambitious? Just why should we have to use the word ambition in terms of women and not men? You see what I mean? I mean, it's okay for a guy to be ambitious, but not okay for a woman to be ambitious. A, you know, a guy would will will like in that in the in that in that era. men were killing their 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 fathers and sons to become to become rulers why why wouldn't she do it um that was one of the that's that was an so to in order for in order for me to bring that about i mean sure that there was so there was this indiscriminate violence and it was unders- you know it was there was a heavy violence but it was really understated it was like a, it was normalized and so the guys were doing it all the time therefore as you you know she indulges there's a lot of violence a lot of killing going on and she does it with complete you know she's completely at peace with herself this is not at all bothered by you know having somebody killed so she was a yes she was an ambitious woman if you want to call it that but there's nothing wrong with that yes she's a feminist and i'm not quite sure i like that word very much even though of course i call my own daughter feminist i think just being in favor of women who want to be equal to men and that's what she wanted i think that her, she you know she was seeing her brothers being favored over her simply because they were men and i think that was one of the reasons that she that was one of the reasons that that was one of the goals for her ambition as well she was pushed more into wanting things for herself because she was denied them i think i think that's it it was almost like a little bit of a rebellion in her thing you know what i can do this just as well and better and another thing i want to say is that actually that actually impels women to become better than men to get this edge over men which is wonderful but it's also a little sad right it was so um <laughs> it was so right when you said uh, we always say ambitious woman and not an ambitious man yeah i think we use that qualifier <laughs> or adjective for women so liberally and 
uh, it's just assumed that for men it is a given right you want over head and um, that observation of the time that she lived in yeah i think we were talking about it as well that uh, there was so much of off with your head kind of uh, you know times that they lived in and she didn't seem to mind it so she she clearly um, especially that scene i remember where uh, with the hindu saras they went around slitting throats um, over eunuchs uh, it it was so powerful i mean even for a man uh, to be so um, okay uh, with violence uh, but she didn't seem to give that uh, that women are weak and you know i can't look at it or that kind of an impression ever she was as much at peace with the time that she was with as were her brothers i guess so um, yeah so interesting i think so many so many questions uh, in our minds now um i'm conscious of time uh, and uh, is there anything uh, meena that you want uh, any message you want out there for the readers before we close this and uh, neither do i i just want to take 30 seconds of your time so the one thing that sure, sure, sure. say about her so the thing that got her can you imagine this i mean i'm sorry i'm feeling so riled up thinking about razia um it's <laughs> i finished the book a while back however the one thing that actually like really really eroded my sense of my 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 respect for historians was that the thing that got her was the rumor with yakut the one somebody yes. saw her lifting, <laughs> lifting her off the horse by by holding her from under her shoulders and that's what they got her for can you imagine this this so th- <laughs> that's the reason why i needed to write this book <laughs> yes you won't believe it we were in so much disbelief yesterday yeah. when kamin and i were talking about it is like is that really what yeah. could trigger i mean there could be so many things that can bring about a downfall but just that someone painted and the other person lifted her up and i also loved her attitude you know towards it when um, later on yakut comes and says let's not meet for some time this rumor is doing the rounds and she's like i have work to do i don't have to. it's him like that. like i have work to do i can't just entertain these rumors and stop working and stop working with people who use rumors about so that attitude was awesome but clearly the impact that that rumor had was was just so it seems so flimsy a ground no and also uh, meena thanks for sharing that i mean that's very powerful for me to hear that that got you so riled up that you were like i have to tell the story and that's frankly you know it's also prejudice and discrimination and injustice at so many levels so now it's no longer just gender it's class it's race we've got so many issues in there that made that rumor as powerful as it did to bring her uh you know to bring about her downfall so so it it should enrage all of us and i'm glad it enraged you enough to uh, write this book <laughs> thank you <laughs> yes I, i i i i agree with you completely that's i think we should be enraged and i i i completely reiterate what you're saying we should be enraged absolutely <laughs> okay nidhi yeah uh, all right thank you so much for your time meena this was a wonderful conversation and um, thank you so much for writing this book i think uh, for opening up our world to razia um i think we all have such uh, anyone who picks up the book would definitely have plenty of takeaways um and uh, plenty of questions in our minds where strangely which uh, did not occupy any mind space now i think razia has with so many questions um very pertinent very relevant in today's times um i i personally felt um you know seeing all i could pr- pretty much visualize when you were describing words the 
very brutal and power hungry times that she lived in thank you for giving us this perfect friend and lover yakut <laughs> I, I i it was hard to get him out of my head after <laughs> so to 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 aspirational now we have we have high standards for what men can be for us and um, thank you for reminding us that the challenges to a woman with ambition and power continue to be the same centuries later we have so much of fixing and catching up to do as a society so thank you so much for bringing all of these points to our conscience right now. it was an absolute pleasure you guys my my debut as a podcast so proud <laughs> you were a star <laughs> <laughs> thank you it was really entirely my pleasure i loved writing the book and this was wonderful thank you you both thank you meena thanks very much thank you thanks everybody for joining in kamini and i would be back with another a uh, podcast soon on uh, a book which takes us back in time uh, so stay glued in and this particular podcast would also be available on audible spotify apple podcast google etc shortly mina i'm going to ping you the link as well thank you everybody for joining in this has been fantastic see you soon bye bye